Hey, hi there. How are you? How's your family? Did you have a good week? Welcome back to Uncomfortable Truths and Harebrained Schemes. I am your host, Megan Garcia, aka Maggie, aka Snake, aka Lil Baby Yoda. Each week, my best friend and I discuss truths that are uncomfortable and schemes that are harebrained. Say hi to our lovely audience, best friend David Christopher. Uh, hola, audience. Sometimes we talk about history and sometimes we talk about politics, but we do not limit ourselves because, well, that's not something we do. <laughs> we hope you will grab a delicious beverage of your choosing and sit back and enjoy the sweet sounds of our voice. <laughs> what are you drinking today, David Christopher? I'm, uh, I'm drinking the Top Hat Ginger Brew. Ooh. Mm, it's tasty. It's a, it's a syrup. It's a syrup mm-hmm. for? For the soda stream. For the soda stream. The new one. The new one. We would like a sponsorship. Hashtag soda stream sponsorship. <laughs> All right. So you're enjoying a lovely ginger beer. Mm, what about you? What are you drinking? I, as per usual, am enjoying a nice beer. What kind? Uh, this one happens to be one of my faves. It's a Lucille from Georgetown Brewery here in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Drink local. Hashtag drink local. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Georgetown, uh, they make a lot of my faves uh, that I like to get. Um, let's see. There's the Manny. Mm-hmm. There's Bodie. There's a little Johnny Utah mm-hmm. action. I like Johnny there's, Utah as a name. Yeah, you don't drink. I don't so. drink, but I like you the name. You don't like Johnny Utah. No, um, I like the name. Uh, you like the name. Uh, just they have all sorts of seasonal things, and if you'd like to sponsor us, mm-hmm. Georgetown, we'd appreciate it. Or, or just like send me a hoodie or something. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, just a hoodie. <laughs> just send us some swag. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's what I'm drinking. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> now let's get back to last week. Yeah. There's a couple things. Yes. That I want to do at the top. First one. Do you want to talk about what you want to talk about, or do you want to do the theme song? You know what? Let's let's do the theme song. That sounds great. Theme I think song. it's it's okay. really important. So I went into my studio and I was like working really really hard. I was up all hours of the night mm-hmm. um, creating. Um, actually, it ended up being I had I pulled a Dolly Parton. I created two songs in one day. Um, it's literally as if RZA. Dr. Dre, and of course, my beloved, Joshua mm-hmm. Carter. Their talents all just kind of channeled into me. And I was just struck with such inspiration. I created two theme songs for us. Did we already get a taste of the first one, right? Sort sure, of. you got a taste of the first one last But week. why don't you give us that kind of clean, polished product? Sure. Um, so theme song number one mm-hmm. is... Hey, uncomfortable truths and hairbrain schemes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better every time. <laughs> and then there's the second mm-hmm. one, which is uncomfortable truth and hairbrain schemes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that uh, that last part was. 
Was inspired by whom? Oh, uh, Kool Aid Man yeah. and uh, yeah. Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kool Aid. Do you want to sponsor us as well? Yeah. This is how it works, right, David? I we just name products. <laughs> naming. Yeah. Right? That's why Wayne's World had all that money no, because no, of actually, like, that scene. Where absolutely. Like, we just name drop everything right. nonstop. Disney. Absolutely. ABC. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. T-Mobile. Absolutely. Microsoft. Without a doubt. Did I say Apple? No, but don't you have a new Apple phone? <gasps> I do have an Apple phone. I just got a brand new 12. Yeah. Pro? Supremo? Something like that? The Supreme. I got the yeah. 12 Supreme. <laughs> um, and so, Apple, if you'd like to sponsor us, I, I'm i w- willing to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm it's not. Apple everything. Apple everything. Yeah. I, and we're recording it using my MacBook. Yeah. Which, I just did an update, and now my laptop's fan is like... Oh, yeah. Um, so, if you hear some buzzing, I guess I could spend some time to figure out how to use my editing software. Uh, but let's be honest. You guys just have to deal with the buzz. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it was previously yeah yeah um but anyway so those are the two theme songs that i came up with now i just checked five people have listened to our podcast no way five people Already. now i'm trying not to let that go to my head no because once that happens like you start the celebrities just go in your head and things just it never ends up well right? that is true yeah that is true again and now I'm going to, now now I have five people that have listened to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to insist. See, it's already going to your head. I have five people going I to have it. five people, okay? <laughs> I, it's all me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, Yeah. Okay, so now I'm really going to need you to mm-hmm. have to take white tissue paper and wrap all of the oh, we just, yeah, just we, yeah, we just to bring it back to, yeah, bring it back to last week. week in that Buckingham Palace. Yeah, well, that's actually a good segue, though, into last week, oh, having to correct some things. Oh. Before we get there, though, like, let's close on the, the um, theme song thing. So we oh. want kind of some feedback. Feedback. From our audience which, of five. Which jammy jam mm-hmm. was your favorite? Mm-hmm. And I know you were so shocked to know that Joshua. Joshua did not mm-hmm. contribute in any way, shape, no, or form. It was all you. It was all, all me. you. All me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Original. So we need to know which. Uh, do you do you like the first one, or do you like the second one? Yeah, I like the first one, and I actually <laughs> liked it in its rough demo form. So much so that when we were looking at the podcast last time, from last week, I was like, "Can we just chop that section out and throw that in as because the?" Because you big dummy, you kept talking over me. If you had, shh, we could have used it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, hey, uncomfortable trips, and hair brings me. That's a little country one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we can do a couple. Of, no, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, but so, yeah, or we'll just do, we'll, we'll just do a new one every single time. Just do it live. Just do it, just live. do it live. Just do it live. Like I, it's like the hip hop Olympics when they, when people come and they start spitting bars, mm-hmm. just freestyle, man. It's like me. I'm like M. Yes, you are. <laughs> So, anyways, last week we kind of we started talking about some of we, we talked about a couple things. One was with the uh, George H. W. Bush being the person who was responsible for um, 
leaving the note on the desk for for uh, so Bush Senior. Bush Senior for leaving. So he started the trend of leaving a letter mm-hmm. for the incoming. Yeah, president. yeah. Okay. And so I, I was, but I kind of got in the during the discussion last week. Maggie said, "Wait, is that true?" And then I was like, "Oh no, it might not be." And then you know you start doubting everything in your life. Um, and so I ended up looking it up, and actually is true. True. But I did find out that uh, the whole President's Club started with uh, the Truman and Eisenhower transition. So that's that's when the real super secret, you know, President's Club started. Truman. Let me see if I remember my yeah, history yeah. right. Truman was Eisenhower's VP, correct? Yes. Okay. And Eisenhower was considered a bit of a softie because he had been to war and he had seen war. Mm. And, like, he was like, no, I, I've experienced this. Like, shh. But then mm. like, Truman came in and he was like, yeah. Yeah, and well, so, and and Eisenhower is the one who's responsible saying for, like, beware of the military-industrial complex. Like, these companies that produce war stuff are going to become our economy. Would you say he was the original hippie? <laughs> no, no, not yet. I don't think he was a hippie. I think he, I, I think he had. I think his intentions were good, though. It's kind of like you know what? If we just start funding everything military, then that becomes our economy, and the only way for our economy to work is always go to war. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we cleared that up, right? You cleared up everything. Pretty sure of it. Yeah. Last week. Yeah. All right. Um, I I am like Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. I am practically perfect, and I didn't need to clarify anything. Absolutely not. You didn't do anything to that new theme song either. It was exactly <laughs> the way it was last week. Um, didn't we have some uncomfortable truths happen like this week? And I also oh oh boy, mm-hmm. did we? Couple big ones. Oh boy, did we? Mm-hmm. So backstory. Um, I was ready to get a kitten. And our neighbor just so happened to rescue this little stray kitten and posted a picture. And I talked to David about it. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I'm telling him that I was ready for a new cat. He, he said, maybe it's time, but let's think about this some more. And I was like, okay. And so we took a long time and then we finally decided to get the kitten. Mm-hmm. That is not how that happened. Not at all. What happened was my friend posted a picture of this cute little kitten on her Facebook mm-hmm. and said, does anybody want a kitten? And so... It was late at night, right? It was like 1030 mm-hmm. at night. And I showed David the picture of the kitten and said, say hello to the newest member of the Garcia family. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story of how I got Zelda. Mm-hmm. So the next day, my neighbor came over because, again, I said I wanted the kitten at 1030 at night. She did not walk over and give me the kitten at 1030 at night. Our neighbor wasn't sure whether or not the kitten was a boy or a girl, but no big deal because I'm going to the vet. They know how to tell a cat's gender. Mm -hmm. So get the exam, get all checked out. And then I asked them and I said, hey, real quick, do you happen to know if this is a boy cat or a girl cat? And so they said, oh, hold on. Let us take a look. And then they came back and they said, oh, we're like 90% sure it's a girl. Hmm. There was there was a doubt. Yeah. But, okay. So I named the cat Zelda. <laughs> Zelda Fitzgerald, to be exact. Um, and Ben calling her, her, Ben, Zelda, Zelly Bean, mm-hmm. my little Zelly girl. Yep. Um, yesterday, Zelda jumped up on the bed 
as she does. And she likes to stand on my chest and purr really loud and like have me pet her. And if you have a cat or been around a cat, you know how much cats love to show you their butt. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. So gross. Zelda turned around. <laughs> did you see her butt? I did. And more. Yes, she does. She he has does. kitty balls. So mm-hmm. Zelda is no longer Zelda. Zelda is Gomez Adams, and we're okay. No, yeah. Everybody, we are, we are fine. Yeah, we are moving forward. Yeah, I, I think yeah. The nothing changes. I love mm, my kitten, whether they identify as a boy yeah. or a girl. But as it turns out, Zelda really was Zelda. Zelda's got some balls. And now is named Gomez. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and how about you? You had a very uncomfortable truth. Yeah, so it started then, basically, our laundry room is haunted. Um, and uh, the other night, it was about 1.30 at night, uh, we started hearing the, we have a brand new dryer, it's like super fancy, and it makes noises, and it started doing the on and off noise, back and forth, and, and the sound goes like, how am I eating? Oh, do 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 do. So it's it's charming and nice to hear one time, but when it keeps on happening, it's annoying. And then when it keeps on happening, you're not and, in there. And if I may, yeah, that do 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 is when it powers it on, but the do 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 is when it turns off, sure. and that's what it was doing. It yeah. was making the power on and power off. Yeah, noise. And so it, it like at first I was like, all right, I'll go check it out. I went to the laundry room. Saw that there's a, we have a ton of stuff on the on the dryer, kind of like laundry detergent stuff like that. And I noticed that there was uh, f- one of the wrappers from the laundry uh, bottle was touching the start button. I was like, oh, well, that that's probably it. So I moved it out of the way, wiped it down a tiny bit, and I was like, all right, cool. Um, peace out, laundry room. And I got, went back to bed. It was, as soon as I got back into the room, all of a sudden it started going. And it was all right. And it would kind of creep me out because we've been watching a lot of creepy stuff. We do. We watch, we watch a lot of, a lot of American horror stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we got really into the haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. and the haunting of uh, Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Pampers are looking for a sponsor. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> so I was like, and so Maggie said, you know, are you, you going to go out there and get it? And, and she probably thought that I was going to be like, oh yeah, Totally. And so she said, or do you want me to go with you? And I was like, can you please come with me? <laughs> so, so I said, hold on. Let me grab some protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm armed and dangerous. Yep. With sage. Yeah. And it's the good stuff. So. <laughs> so I was saging the laundry room yeah. at 1.30 in the morning. And, as you do. And I got it all like taken care of. And, and I was like, awesome. Saged up. And right as we left the room, it went. Do, 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 do. Oh, but you're forgetting. In between the time of you asking me if I could go into the laundry room with you mm-hmm. and me lighting the sage, it went into super remix. Oh, yeah. And just repeatedly went do, 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 over and over and over again. So I, so I was like, okay, I, I unplugged it and that was it, right? Or 
I said, unplug it. Yeah. And, and then you were like, well, let me look it up. And I was like, no, it's no, like, yeah, true. we both have to work. We mm-hmm. have serious jobs. Yeah, we have serious jobs. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we went to bed. Mm-hmm. And David um, changed his underwear. I did. So, and, and so like, <laughs> and so the, the, but the whole night, like, because it's, you've been hearing this repeated sound going, do, 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 do. So it gets stuck in your head. And I just, I felt like we kept on thinking, is that it? And I, I don't know. I was just panicked. Um, and the next day it started, I plugged it back in. I cleaned it all up. And um, it's, it was like every time I would leave the room, it would start doing it over and over again. It freaked me out. Eventually I factory reset it and it hasn't done it yet. But the thing that was more freaky was later on that night, um, you know, everybody had gone to bed. And I was sitting there. Uh, I was laid down. This was the next night after yeah. Yeah. us waking up at one thirty. Yeah. The next night. The next night. You were watching TV. I was watching TV and um, the kids were supposed to be in bed. Maggie was asleep. And I remember hearing the children like just talking to each other. And I, it was about 1130. And so at first I kind of just shouted through the, the, the bedroom door. I said, guys, you guys need to go to bed. It's bedtime. This is ridiculous. We're good parents. We put you to bed way earlier than this. Um, and then I started hearing them talk and whisper more. And so I opened the door and looked into my son's room and I said, Lex, you and Lucy need to go to sleep. And Lex is like, I am. And I said, where's your sister? And he said, she's in her room. And she was. And so I don't know where the whispering came from. I guess they quit messing with me because of the the dryer and are messing with me that way. So, I would just like to point out something. Mm-hmm. When you're telling a story, just leave out the part about me sleeping. Mm. Because let's be honest, unless I'm actually actively participating in this story mm-hmm. with you, it's pretty safe to assume I'm sleeping. True, true. <laughs> I, I sleep. I a think lot. I, just, I wanted to make it clear that it was like everybody was asleep. It was yeah, supposed no, to be was quiet. Really nice. It was supposed to be quiet. It was late at night again, mm-hmm. and everybody was sleeping. So, so those were our yeah. those were our uncomfortable personal truths. Yeah, yeah. Um, this week and this week, let's get in. Let's yeah. let's get in. Let's, let's get, get into, into the good stuff. Yeah. Here, here is the part that you're here for. Yeah. So this week, the uncomfortable truth, uh, we're going to discuss the documentary on Netflix entitled "Crime Scene: The Vanishing." At the Cecil Hotel. L. <laughs> Where is the Cecil Hotel, Maggie? Where is the Cecil Hotel? Hell. It is in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Hell, Michigan? Hell, Michigan, where you have been. I that have is been where to the Michigan. Cecil Ho- Hotel is in hell, Michigan. No, the Cecil Hotel is in Los Angeles, mm. specifically in Skid Row. Now, side note, L.A. Skid Row, that is not the OG Skid Row. The OG Skid Row is right here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it and it got it. And the reason it was called Skid Row, it's in it's in the Pioneer Square District neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Area. Area. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's in the space. It's the Pioneer Square is the area mm-hmm. that that uh, skid row is in um and that and that stems from seattle's like origination of of being this huge timber industry mm-hmm. and and sliding these massive evergreens down the skid mm-hmm. 
I just did the air quotes. Yeah. This is a podcast, David, and they can't, they can't see, see it. Me. Well, I, no, it's important <laughs> that you're doing that. We need these clarifying details, kind of like also why we're not talking about like this on Skid Row, the band either, and it's not True. right. Remember yesterday? Is that Skid Row? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were actually named after the California Skid Row, which is not the OG Skid Row where they did I Timber. heard, what was his name? Johann Sebastian Bach? What's that's his the, name? That's the <laughs> Sebastian Bach is the, he's the singer. Johann Sebastian Bach is like, like super old and not alive anymore. Um, the lead singer of Skid Row. Mm-hmm. He was inspired to name the band because he too... <laughs> <laughs> I am ruining the joke. He too used to go <laughs> shooting down. <laughs> I can't even finish that joke. He used to go shooting down the skids, right? Yes, that's what <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I don't know why that's cracking me. It's amazing. All right. Anyways. Anyways. So, so there Cecil you go. Skid Row. <laughs> Cecil, Cecil Skid Row. That, uh, that is the name of my next dog. No. Following Suspicious. Suspicious. I'm going to get another Pomeranian yeah. someday, and it's going to be named Suspicious. The dog after that is going to be named Cecil Skid Row. <laughs> Nice. Um, Tell us about Cecil Skid Row. The Cecil Hotel. Hotel. The Cecil Hotel was this very lovely, luxurious dream hotel in the safest neighborhood in LA. Um, Mattresses, like like sleeping on clouds, like the best room service and everything. That is not (laughs) at all true. No, when they first built it, it was like like post-depression or something Uh like that. It was a, like this luxury but, hotel yeah. for like a hot minute. Yes, true. That is. Yeah. Or are you confusing it with the Stanley Hotel? Because we watched that documentary and the Chinese. No, no, <laughs> it, no, no. It was because the Stanley Hotel, the Cecil Hotel, and the Hotel Cortez Tortez are all the same thing. Um, no, the Cecil Hotel. The Tortez. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the so the Cecil Hotel after the depression was like this this kind of like really nice spot that's why it actually is really ornate on the inside right was it I don't it was, know yeah. you pay more attention I do I, I, I listen to details I tend to Wonderful. look on my phone and see like what all my friends are doing without me yeah. um <laughs> So, so the Cecil Hotel was built in the early 1900s. I feel 1919 is stuck in my head mm-hmm. for some reason, but I didn't take notes at the time because also I wasn't planning on doing a podcast. That's neither here nor there. So I didn't take the best notes, nor did I pay that much attention. Mm-hmm. I'm This is how I live my life. Yeah. Truthfully. <laughs> so yeah. so um, anyways, uh, the Cecil Hotel eventually... Because of Skid Row and and not being the best part of town. Yeah. Um. Anyways, all these things happened in the Cecil Hotel, and it really was kind of like <clears throat> this place that um, people like Richard Ramirez were drawn yeah. to. And if you are like that name sounds familiar, he was the Night Stalker. He was. A bad, bad man. He did terrible things. And he also stayed at the Cecil Hotel. Um, The Cecil Hotel is one 
of the hotels that inspired American Horror Stories Hotel, which is the best season of American Horror Story ever. Fight me. Fight I think I really think me. I think you're right. Fight no, me. yeah, no, it absolutely is. <laughs> Side note on Richard Ramirez. Um, so yes. I think like we were talking about this before, and I don't understand this romanticization. Of right, 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 right. Okay, so I so I have to be honest. I am brand new to murderers. To well, no, I'm brand new to the true crime <laughs> genre. <Yeah. laughs> I, I I was aware of that, that he was a thing. Yeah, that, that, I, I didn't know. Yeah. It wasn't like I started watching Bailey and I was like, oh, <gasps> people, people do that to people. I've never heard of Ted Bundy living yeah. in Seattle, Washington, and used to go to a bar that was across the street from Dante's, where he used to sit eating hot dogs and staring at his victims. True. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. made that up. No, Maybe no, you used to hang out at Dante's. You probably did. Um, anyways. Yeah. So here's the thing about me. I don't understand this romanticism of yeah. like Ted Bundy and Richard Ramirez. Um, I was telling you before, you know, that we were talking about how he has terrible teeth. Well, he, he everyone you said he had really good cheekbones. He has, <laughs> I get it. He has great cheekbones. But his, but cheek. his eyes, though, yeah. his eyes were terrifying. They were black, uh-huh. and they were like demonic. To but his look teeth, look his teeth. But how, what, what could people have done to protect themselves? Right. So I feel that if people had surrounded themselves with dental hygiene products, so <laughs> toothpaste, yeah. mouthwash, some dental floss, yeah. Um, crest whitening strips. Crest, mm-hmm. we are more than happy to be sponsored by you. Mm-hmm. Um, that perhaps it would have deterred him, kind of like garlic for vampires, because yeah. Holmes' teeth were atrocious. Absolutely. So, I just feel like people. A lot have, of lives could have been saved. A lot of lives could have yeah. been saved if they had just invested in sleeping with, you know, all of the Oral B toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. And, like, do you remember? Early on in the pandemic, when people couldn't get toilet paper, yeah. there should have been a shortage of, of, of dental hygiene products. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, when, with Richard Ramirez, when he was running amok. But as he ran amok, he, he and his he awful teeth stayed, stayed at the, at the yeah. Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Now, David Christopher, you asked me if I would be willing to stay. I did, yeah. At the Cecil Hotel. Because, I mean, I don't like to, I don't like the, I really don't mm-hmm. want to be like a dark tourist and go to like these horrible places. And, but at the same time, there is, I, I always have kind of this interest. I'm like, what could, could we, what if we went there and just hung out for a day? No, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I would not even go for a drink. If Joshua yeah. Carter was like, you're in LA, mm-hmm. let's meet for a drink at the CISO hotel. Mm-hmm. One, one thing, first of all, we can't. What if... Because mm-hmm. it's not open. <clears throat> Two, coronavirus. Everything's kind of shut down right now. Duh. Right. There's like, duh, there's a pandemic. Yeah. Three, if I don't stop talking about Joshua Carter, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to hang out with him because he's going to get a restraining order. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, I am not willing to go to um, the Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Not... Because I thought about this. We watched The Shining, and I know that the Stanley Hotel, like, does actually exist. Mm -hmm. And I would be willing to get a drink at the Stanley Hotel. Yeah. But I would not stay there. 
after watching this documentary, mm-hmm. I am not even going to be on the same street as mm-hmm. the Cecil Hotel. I think you're no. absolutely, yeah, I think you're right. And and when I was, I, I'm not in any stretch of the imagination like some dark tourist who wants to go and stay in horrible places because they're horrible. I'm just curious. Like, you hear about all this stuff, and I think, I don't know, the more I heard about it, I was just curious as to whether or not you want to even. No, I don't even want to, I don't want to go into that. First of all, I would be afraid that the first thing I would see is Richard Ramirez's teeth. <laughs> or yeah. walk in and be like, what is that smell? It's Richard Ramirez. His teeth. <laughs> he smells. Yeah. Um, but I just think so many tragic things happened there. Mm. And I just, I wouldn't even, just out of respect mm. for the for the spirits that are restless there, I, I wouldn't even want to go. But... I will watch a documentary about it. <laughs> well, that's the, and that's the whole uncomfortable truth. This documentary, it showcased something, right? Like what? Like what's the big thing recently that happened with it? It has to do with okay. So if you let's for those of you that maybe I don't know have lives, aren't addicted to Netflix documentaries, as am I, mm-hmm. as is David Christopher. The the crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel really focuses on one of the most famous cases um, that occurred at the Cecil Hotel, and that is the disappearance of Elisa Lam. Mm-hmm. Elisa Lam, if you are not aware, was a college student from Vancouver, British Columbia, mm-hmm. our neighbors to the north, um, and she stayed at the Cecil Hotel, and unfortunately, she disappeared. There was some camera footage. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, it was obvious that she was very scared and was not acting like her herself. And after weeks, I think, what, what, it was like, like 17 three, days, three weeks. It was, it was just three weeks, almost a month. The hotel had been searched. Um, and then it just so happened that <clears throat> people started reporting issues with their water and so one of the staff um happened to go up to the water tanks mm-hmm. to find out what was going on and unfortunately discovered the body of Elisa Lamb mm-hmm. and everything that that happened it's been this huge mystery mm-hmm. basically yeah right? it was like this huge mystery and kind of the documentary itself isn't the uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. The uncomfortable truth that I want to talk about is that people missed the largest takeaway yeah. of this documentary. Yes, this documentary was about this tragic story of this young woman who may have experienced some sort of, you know, like like maybe she wasn't well and maybe she was you know in the middle of like you know an episode or or something like that i don't i can't keep track of all the terms so i don't want to say anything to like offend anybody um but they were like there were accusations like she was bipolar this that and the other and was she was she having like a manic episode or 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 did she take some kind of drugs when she she was there or was she drugged um and uh one of the the main points, not the main point, but one of the takeaways from mm-hmm. from uh, the vanishing um, at the Cecil Hotel was internet sleuths mm-hmm. and how they kind of um, were frustrating. I feel for like the LAPD because they had this ongoing like investigation, 
They're trying to figure out things. They had searched the whole entire hotel. Mm. What do you mean? What do you mean she was in the water team? Um, it, was, it was a high-profile case mm-hmm. with a lot of attention across the world. And, like, I believe L.A. threw, like, all of its things at it. A lot of resources yeah. to try to, to find her. Um, and... And so they were interviewing all these people that had, like, YouTube channels mm-hmm. and, and stuff and people that were, were starting, like, Facebook groups and yeah. discussions. Like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And they still exist. And they, and they still exist. Yeah. And um, just that one of, one of the saddest things that I think happened, um, and I'm actually going to let you discuss this yeah. um, because you actually went and did like further like further research yeah. about this there was there was a story involving a uh a, a performer yeah. named morbid yeah and it's actually this is more tied to like kind of what happens right so this this musician his name is morbid and i later found out his name is pablo vegara he's just starting to get his life back on track but he um when the murder happened um he had released a video that day. He was a black metal musician, meaning that he kind of was part of that, like, really hardcore fringe metal, like, you know, like, Hail Captain Satan, all this stuff, you know? Um, what's that? It's like Captain and Tennille. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's right. same That's like thing. the famous black, black metal band. Yeah. And the, and the monkeys, too, they started off the as. Monkeys. Yeah. So anyways, but he was into this, and... Um, the Carpenters. Dark and twisted. Let me tell you about the Carpenters. We should... That's actually... No, that's another uncomfortable truth that we talk about, like Sammy Davis Jr. and his, like, descent into occultism and Satanism. But anyways, in this case, he was not Sammy Davis Jr. there. Um, this this uh, this guy, he basically released this video that went with his music on the, like, a day or two after Lisa Lamb's, Lisa Lamb's body was found in the water, and the video involved kind of, like, a woman who had been, like, savagely murdered or thrown in the water. Um, incidentally, on top of this, people, these internet sleuths had found out that he had actually stayed at the Cecil Hotel, and there's video footage of him a year earlier. But, you know, what they did was they pieced together this story saying, oh my god, it's him. He did it. And just everyone kind of descended upon him online and were just like essentially cyberbullying saying you killed this person you you like you're responsible in the eyes of the internet sleuths mm-hmm. he was guilty before being proven innocent absolutely yeah um, and and it's supposed to be the, the reverse and mm-hmm. his life was was really destroyed by yeah. all these like unfounded accusations hurled mm-hmm. uh, against him I think what struck me most of all with um, these people that they were interviewing, mm-hmm. and not all of them, um, there was there was a couple of them that since that case they they realized like oh snap, mm-hmm. my bad, <laughs> we shouldn't do that. Yeah, but there was a sense of entitlement. Yeah, what do you mean you're not releasing like this footage to us? Why? What is happening with the timestamp on the video footage? Blah, blah blah blah. They were demanding as if they were actively working to solve this like case, which I think in their head they thought that they were. They were because they were going after people like this morbid guy 
who at the time was in Mexico. He was away from the whole thing, but they convicted him in the court of public opinion. And I think they got so big on their own detective skills, they said, you know, we're detectives and they're entitled to this, right? Right. And so um, it, it was just the demands that they were making and how upset they were getting at the LAPD for not releasing information on this active investigation just really struck me as odd. So, so the, the takeaway that, that we were supposed to get (laughs) that the producers intended. And there was, I think there was even um, like consequences sound or something like that wrote an article about like reviewing this. And the major takeaway from this is people that are into true crime. So people like yourself and myself, Mm -hmm. we need to take a backseat to real detectives because they go to detective school Mm -hmm. they major in being a detective absolutely and you know on the first day of being a detective they go and they solve crimes they get a hat they get they get Mm -hmm. (laughs) scooby-doo they they go they get their scooby snacks yeah and they well those pesky kids you know they solve the crime oh absolutely so some people seem to miss the major takeaway from the documentary and that was people like myself and yourself who have an interest in true crime Mm -hmm. we need to take a back seat to actual Detectives and investigations. This is what they're trained yeah. to do. They they specialize in this. There's lots of training that goes into it. And it's not as simple as looking at, you know, YouTube videos that somebody posted on yeah. a travel vlog of staying in the Cecil Hotel. And then seeing that he's into black metal and has, like, all these satanic yeah. images, you know, as part of his character when he performs performs and and put two and two together and be like, Oh, he did it when he wasn't even in the country. And I'm seeing people not getting the point of that. Well, no, absolutely. Cause I think the, there was, there's two things. I agree with you. I think really the big uncomfortable truth for a lot of people came out, which is like, you're not, you're not a detective. You're not a detective. And just because you know, two pieces of information, it doesn't mean you know it, and you're not entitled to every piece of information. I am a detective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I'm more like Detective Pikachu. Oh, oh <laughs> very good. Yeah, no. No, I mean, I know you're always in the case. We've we've solved. We've yeah. solved mm-hmm. so many. It was a good documentary, though. It was. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. But here's one thing. I want to ask you about this documentary, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I talked to my boss who watched it mm-hmm. and I had told her to watch it because I watched it before her because <clears throat> you told your boss what to do I told my boss what to do first of all mm-hmm. second of all um, I watched it before her before her I mm-hmm. watched it before it was cool yeah you did you were still, first remember I was first um, and she said that she felt that it drug out too long <laughs> yeah it was like what uh, it was a whole four episodes four episodes I didn't feel like it dragged, but once she said that, I was like, you know what? I have to agree with you. Because I felt like, one, I felt like too much attention was given to the internet sleuths, especially the ones that hadn't learned. Like, you have, like, the whole sexy nerd YouTube girl. Maybe I'm just hating on her because she's cute. No, no. (laughs) But it was just kind of like... She was annoying. She was annoying. It was like, stop. stop. You are the problem. You are exactly what they're talking about. Um, you made morbid sad, but I also felt like. Do you remember the British couple? Mm-hmm. 
And I felt like there was a weird amount of time spent on their story. Out the door, right at the beginning, right? Because the way they were interviewed so much, I was waiting for there to be some sort of relationship with, with Elisa Lamb. Yeah. And there wasn't. It just so happened that they happened to stay in the hotel around the time that she went mm-hmm. missing. Also, I don't know how these people were able to sit there and tell their story. Yeah, because they do have a very kind of close connection now with Elisa Lamb. They do. And if you are queasy, mm-hmm. uh, maybe skip ahead. Yeah. Uh, like let's uh, do, do yourself a favor skip ahead two minutes two minutes yeah um and don't listen to this next part so if you haven't watched the documentary and you're going to listen to this now they interviewed this british couple who happened to be staying at the cecil hotel and you know one of the <laughs> they started having issues with their water mm-hmm. um like the pressure. The pressure, the color, the the taste. So mm-hmm. they asked mm-hmm. to be moved to another floor and they were moved or to another room and they were moved to another floor. They were staying at like the um I think they were staying in the hostel. Like the the ni- the, 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 the nice updated one yeah, section. I think that's where they were yeah. staying. Okay. So the reason the water was all gross is because Elisa Lamb was found in the water tank that was on top mm-hmm. of the hotel. And that water tank was the water that was used in the hotel for people to bathe in, mm-hmm. for people to drink, mm-hmm. for people to brush their teeth. Richard Ramirez would have been safe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been like, yeah. But they drink. It's. Yeah, no, it's, it's just like... I, I can't, I can't. I don't even know how they were able to talk about it. I don't even know how they can form sentences. I would have gone full goat. Oh, yeah, no. Um, like, I have a tendency like you know, to yeah. faint like a goat whenever I'm watching true crime things because I'm still a baby. I'm still new <laughs> to, like, the whole true crime yeah. thing. And so though the water was was gross because it was... At least a lamb water. Yeah. Oh, and, and actually that... That's, it was infused. That actually brought up one point that we were talking but about these... Heard the point. Yeah. These internets, going back to the sleuth thing, I just, I completely forgot when they were comparing it to that one movie. Oh, Dark Water. And they were, and they were like, okay, I think there's a bigger cover up because like, it's like somebody is copying that exact right. same thing. And it's just, right. coincidence doesn't equal causality. Exactly. Ooh, with me, I know the big Yes. Um, <laughs> but also the water was gross. It was gross. Yeah. So, um, I, but I just felt like... There what was, was the point, right? Like, what was the point yeah. of having them be part of the documentary? Other than to make me have to pause the documentary so that I could go, like, empty the contents of my stomach. Yeah, no, I think they could have, like, said, like, hey, they were there. They experienced this. Here's the thing that happened 30 seconds later. Let's move on to... But they, I feel like they were like... They dwelled on it. They were like in three out of the four episodes. And and it's, they were interviewed by like the local news when they were still looking for Elisa Lamb. And then it's like, then they just made them almost like stars of this documentary. And I just was like, this isn't your story. You're rude. Yeah. Get off the camera. And furthermore, it, it... it's not even like they were like the most attractive. I mean, they were good looking, but they weren't like super. Yeah. 
they weren't like I didn't want to continue staring at them yeah, yeah. for like three episodes. Like bring bring them back. Yeah. I want to stare at them. Yeah, they, no, no, they were just like the, no, they were, but yeah, they they had no point. To the I whole just thing. so I do agree with my boss's like assessment that that it had been drug on mm-hmm. um, for a really long time. Um, but yeah, but like even after this documentary, even after they like make this whole point, like the entire like half of the documentary was focused on why being an internet sleuth is dangerous, and yet I'm still seeing people share things on yeah. um, on on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Yeah. Even after this documentary came out, well, I think this is giving it more legs, right? Yeah. Like and this I'm documentary just like, came out. You, know you guys did not pay attention. And and I like all the have the attention span of a goldfish, mm-hmm. and even I took that away. And I was like, "You're right. We shouldn't. We aren't actively a part of the case. We are not privileged enough. And and they and these it's dangerous because look at Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Like when his case happened, yeah. there was like the shoe that was the single that unifying they were, they were holding it back because the shoe that they the shoe print that they kept finding at all of the scenes where all these people were like tragically had horrendous things happen to them because of Richard Ramirez was he was leaving the shoe print mm-hmm. and the reason they were holding it back um was because it was a very rare shoe print like yeah. there had only been a certain amount of shoes made in that specific size and only like two of them were sold in california so if they had announced that he would have been like it would have been detrimental to yeah. their um to to the investigation yeah. and then if you watch the night stalker documentary you'll remember or if you happen to listen to this and you happen to live in california or you were paying attention to national news because i feel like it was national it, news oh for sure um, like in the mid 80s but uh you may remember that the investigation got compromised because then Mayor Diane Feinstein, who's mm-hmm. now representative or senator, I don't remember. Anyways, she was the mayor of San Francisco, and she went and gave a press. Uh, she gave like a, a had a like press conference because the murder had had moved to, to was it San Francisco? San Francisco, yeah. And uh, <laughs> she spilled everything. She told. All of the evidence, and it was, it, like, totally crippled their investigation. The cops are so mad, like, those two detectives. They're still mad. They're still mad. This is, is like, now, like, 40 years later, 35, 40 years later. And they're still mad because her going on the press conference and talking about, like, the shoe and -hmm. everything like that, they were like, whoa, you just told this like murderer that we have evidence to link him mm-hmm. and now he knows how to destroy that. And now evidence. he needs to just change his shoe. Just change his shoe. It's as simple as that. So that's you don't that's like the major takeaway from from the, the Cecil Hotel documentary is that we have to be careful because we aren't investigating this mm-hmm. and that well being or not or just being nosy or just just wanting to to be Seeking attention, yeah. you know. Seeking that, attention, or if you're like, even if you're emotionally involved, then it doesn't mean that you're like, yeah, entitled but, to anything. Like, shh, let the investigators do their job. Yeah, if they want to hear from us, they will. They'll ask us. Which is a great segue. Best segue. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. Um, <laughs> it was all working up to this. Into the hair brains. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I'm brand new to like this whole true crime 
genre, mm-hmm. but I have gone all in, including buying us Hunter Killer. Yes. Now, you are not familiar with Hunter Killer. I, I don't know how because they, their yeah. advertisements are everywhere. But it's super cool. It's a really cool idea. So growing up in the 80s, David, I don't know about your parents. My parents were always going to murder mystery dinner parties or having murder mystery dinner parties. There was like little board games that would give character yeah. descriptions. And and the party guests would would kind of answer these questions. And it was like, I don't know. It was like a living clue. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. Like the board game clue. It was like acting it out. And like everybody would get dressed up in costumes and and like if, if I may, and just it's Larvin, right? I mean, like it. Kinda, wow, right? I disagree. Okay, because unless it takes place in Renaissance, it has <laughs> nothing to do with Larvin. People would have dinner parties, and they would mm-hmm. get dressed up and like get together, and then they would like be given character names, and the character names were always funny. They were they were always like plays on things like, "What's your name?" Maureen Core, <laughs> you know, those type mm. of names. And um, people just get together and they would, they would like act out like this whole like scenario and try to solve the murder. Um, and so uh, Hunt a Killer is like a modern update with that. And it's really kind of cool because you're solving like these, this, this case, right? One of the unique features about Hunt a Killer that I appreciate because I love to give back as anytime I can. A part of the proceeds when you buy Hunt a Killer is they donate proceeds to the Cold Case Foundation. And here is the harebrained scheme. I have a suspicion. What if we are actually helping solve cold cases? We're thinking Hunt a Killer. We're thinking it's yeah. like those murder mysteries you yeah, know, yeah. with like Marine Corps. What if they are taking cold cases and they are crowdsourcing all of us? Yeah. And we're working together and they're providing us evidence and we don't even realize yeah. like this is legit evidence. You know, like, for example, the one that we did that took place in the theater yeah. and there was like the woman, she was like found and she was like all like mummified. Do yeah. you remember? But they're like legit yeah. pictures and everything. Yeah. yeah. What if that was like a real crime scene photo? And I'm just sitting yeah. there like, that's really good special effects. You know? how, how many <laughs> how many pictures and like cases do they have a year that are like unsolved? Right? Like, I don't know. And so and I think that there's I think that there's like a ton of, of hunting mm-hmm. killers out there. And so I'm just wondering, like, what if, what if these internet sleuths and armchair detectives, like, what if we're working together and we're solving cold case files? So maybe we are detectives. We just don't know it. That is right? true. Right? I feel like, yeah, maybe that's a stretch, <laughs> but... Could it be real? No, I think I think there's always like I mean they they have all these programs they have like Crime Stoppers and they have uh, like uh, uh, America's Most Wanted. They've been sourcing information from the public forever, and this is a great way that whoever if it's true and this is like a funded program, they know about America's fascination and almost like romanticization with like detective and mystery and true crime. Why not kind of like play to that and grab? pieces of information that help them actually solve real-world problems. I think that would be awesome. That's awesome. 
And then that would be like so much good being put back into the, into the universe and, and, and helping families, you know, find out what happened to their loved ones and stuff. So anyways, maybe it's not, maybe there's a group of people that come up with all these like ideas and stories. Maybe it has nothing to do with cold case. Maybe they're inspired by cold case. Maybe they just donate proceeds to the cold case foundation. Which I guess you can do, even if you're not buying the game. You can do that. You should totally buy the game. You should also buy the game, because it's a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, that would be awesome. And and I'm just, I'm choosing to believe that I am... That could be a harebrained scheme. ...helping solve cold case files. So, Hunter Killer, maybe that's not what you're doing right now, but... But... Maybe you should do it, but don't ever let us know. (laughs) Like, just, just never let us know. That we've solved this this cold case. Let, don't let us think that. No, we're that's actually, that's kind of amazing, though, right? Like, that would be nah. so awesome. So that that was that was the uncomfortable truths. Like internet detectives, stay in your lane. I know that's hard to hear. <laughs> I'd like to believe I solved all of the crimes. Um, also, I think one of my favorite things about watching these documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and like watching like Bailey and stuff like that is you and I sitting there watching together, not just because we're best friends, but because we make sounds like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, sometimes they're just like, mm. Mm. <laughs> yep. That's kind of my favorite part That's of, a fun uh, <laughs> of watching these type of shows. Um, and then, yeah, so I think we did good work here. Detective. I, I think that's it. It is. I, I think that's, that's the end of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do my best to make sure that you can't hear the fan from my computer. I yeah. don't know if it's being picked up or not. Um, but this was fun. This yeah. is great. I'm enjoying this. I kind of want to do this every week. Yeah. Don't hold me to it. But no, you should. We should hold ourselves to it. Say, well, gonna now. No, mm. that doesn't work for me. Because okay. I'm like, why are you trying to tell me what to do? I'm not trying not to tell the boss of me. I, I do what I want when I want. Mm-hmm. I will podcast when I want to podcast. Right. I'm just kidding. We'll be back next week. We're going to do this as a, on a on a weekly basis. Yes, absolutely. So I appreciate you guys for taking time to listen to us drone on about uncomfortable truths and harebrained schemes. You guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week on Uncomfortable Truths and Hairbrain Schemes.